This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crown, joined here by my stripy co-host, Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? You're stripy. I'm using clothing again to describe oh you. Okay, I'm that's sorry. so funny. Because no. <laughs> I was just listening to, uh, it's a Thursday we're recording this, so I was just listening to a podcast we released this yeah. morning, and again, you had mentioned my shirt, and I'm yeah. like, oh. I need to get some better adjectives to describe Brie. So if anyone has any ideas, uh, I've used a lot of them already. I feel like I don't want to repeat. No repeats. No repeats. Hmm, I was but thinking you'd go with sleepy. Sleepy. Oh, we are talking sleep today. That's or, a good segue. Or caffeinated. Either way, you know. <laughs> or caffeinated. Yeah, I just had, like I was telling Brie, I had to go downstairs and get coffee because I had a headache and then I was really crabby. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did I have coffee today? No, I did not have coffee. And I think that's a really telltale sign of a caffeine addiction. <laughs> 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 when you're like not on time with your coffee and you're like, get your headaches and you get the shakes and no? Okay, you are correct. That is, but I will argue that you don't have like, I know people that have a lot more of a caffeine addiction than either you or I do. Yeah. We both are a one coffee a day person. Yeah, I do not drink that much. Yeah, like before 10 Mm a.m. And that's pretty much like our coffee thing. It's funny though about the whole coffee addiction because I went in to get a coffee yesterday from my new favorite coffee shop across the street. Yeah. And I normally go on Wednesdays and the girl that was serving me has just started working Wednesdays for a few weeks now. And I'm like, yeah, can I get one of my my snickerdoodle latte with soy? Uh And she's like, you're not getting a second? And I went, a second? She goes, yeah, you normally order two, one without ice so you can have it for Thursday. And I'm like, you're right. (laughs) Thank you. And she just giggled. She's like, I tell that to people all the time now. Do you want a second with no ice for the next day? That is a very good upsell. That's a very good upsell. She's a smart barista. (laughs) You know me, if there's a shortcut, I had forgotten I had been ordering that for a while. Yeah. Wednesdays, I order my two coffees. So Mm -hmm. that way I have a Thursday morning coffee and it doesn't make me later. (laughs) normal. That's a good hack. 
Yeah, because I think you said I found this meme when I was on vacation and I sent it to Brie because I thought it was really funny because Brie is habitually late and she admits this. Yeah, yeah. she admits this. The meme had on top, it was like, oh my gosh, the traffic was horrible. I'm sorry I'm late. And then it says the traffic and it's the line at Starbucks. Yep. 100%. 100 <laughs> percent it was the best i was like <laughs> the traffic was terrible at starbucks, starbucks. <laughs> yes because that's what it is that's yeah. what it is yeah but today we are talking all about back to school and sleep schedules something that we are both kind of a little concerned about going into the school year oh yes for sure like we were talking about this before we started recording because many of us in our households it has been over a year yeah since our kids have had to go to in-person school on a consistent five-day-a-week basis. Yeah, many, many people haven't been in person. Here in Arizona, we've been in person for a bit. <laughs> well, but it also depends on the school because there were some districts that never did five days a week. And it also depends on the family's choice because I know a lot of families chose mm-hmm. virtual learning for the entire school year and now they're transitioning back to the home school. We just have to get back on the routine and we like a little concerned because, for instance, in my house, I really protect my sleep. I protect it hard and I protect my alone time at night hard because if my kids are still up, I can't fully relax and read because someone's usually coming in and asking me a question every five seconds. Or, well, those are good boundaries. Yes, they're good boundaries. They're I protect good, it hard. healthy boundaries. So for the past like few months of summer though, those have slept a little bit, especially going on vacation and uh, kids were going to bed at like 10 p.m. at night on vacation, which is like... So makes me uncomfortable as someone who protects sleep hard. Yeah. (laughs) Were you uncomfortable on vacation that they were going to bed that late? Or did it not bother you at that time? But now reflecting back a a week later, it's like... It doesn't... It didn't bother me at that time because like Mm -hmm. I didn't feel tired on vacation. Okay. Because we were all sleeping in. And it was like San Diego, cloudy skies. The sun wasn't shining in my bedroom window to wake me up in the morning. The beach lifestyle of like, hey, we'll do whatever you feel like today. Yeah. So, but it was like 10 p.m. And now bedtime is about 9. And I like to push bedtime to like eight, like we start getting ready eight-ish and then 8.30, everybody's in their room like winding down. And that's harder. That's harder now because my daughter's going into eighth grade and she definitely has a lot more control over what she wants to do and when she wants to do it. And she wants to stay up later, which I totally respect, but it's hard waking everybody up. It is. It is. So that is why we pulled out the big guns. Mm-hmm. We got a sleep expert, Nicole Johnson, for yes. today's episode. Nicole Johnson, you might know her from the Baby Sleep site. And she is the president and lead sleep consultant there. She's an extension of a new mom's village and helps families achieve better sleep in a way that fits their parenting philosophy and a baby's temperament and personality. So we go like all the whole gamut oh, here, yeah. like babies, toddlers, we talk about, like, especially if you're going back to work, she has some great tips on how how to adjust babies and toddler sleep schedules. And we talk about school age kids. And then we go a little bit into the teenagers too. So oh, like, yeah, all ages in this episode. You got a kid, we got it covered. We got it covered. So we hope that you enjoy our interview with Nicole Johnson. Hey, all it is Joanne and Brie here. And we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe. And it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. 
We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hey, so if you are worried about getting your kids back into like the school life with homework and study habits, come and join us. Our live event right now is going on. It's right Now, Homework Simplified, it is live. You get to meet Brie and me live online and ask any questions that you have about study habits, about communicating with the school, about making sure that your kids are doing their homework and getting readjusted post-pandemic life. So you can go sign up, noguiltmom.com backslash homework. We will see you there. And now on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Hey, Nicole, we are so happy to have you here on the No Guilt Mom podcast to talk all things sleep. So welcome, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So for those of our listeners who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about you and your story? Sure. Okay. My name is Nicole Johnson, and I'm the president and lead sleep consultant of the Baby Sleep Site. I've been married to my husband for 17 years now, and I have two sons, 13 and 15 years old. My first son hated sleep, and even at 15, he would still somewhat say it's a waste of time, even though he's a teenager, so now I have to (laughs) drag him out of bed sometimes, Mm -hmm. but he really hated sleep. So I started the baby sleep site in June 2008, so over 13 years ago when my youngest was just a couple months old because I must have been crazy. The baby (laughs) sleep site is designed to 
be an extension of your village. You know, you can ask questions, get support, and of course, help your children sleep better. But one thing about us is we don't believe like there's a one size fits all approach for every child. Like every mm -hmm. child is different temperament wise, personality wise. So both my sons had very diff different temperaments. So I started doing a lot of different research about sleep and trying to get him to sleep better. And then my youngest came along and he was a better sleeper, but uh, he also had a few problems. So I started just learning a lot about temperament and different things. Then I started helping other parents with what I knew. And a few of them asked me, you know, you know, maybe you should write a book because the way you explain it is just more practical, different, you know. And I guess at, at first I just laughed that off, but enough people said that, that eventually I was like, well, maybe I'll make a blog. So yeah. fast forward now 13 years, we've helped, you know, thousands of parents with their family struggles. I've, I try to help other people faster than I could help my own children. And, and yeah, now we get, you know, over 500,000 to a million visitors at the website every month. So, you know, it's, it's been really fun. That's, I'd say that's pretty successful. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> yes. Uh, like sleep is always a very conflict filled subject at my home because two of us, me and my son, we like to go to bed early and uh, <laughs> we like our sleep. Like there's a certain time at night, like we just hit a wall and we're like, mm, nope, not doing anything else. Yes. My daughter and my husband are exactly the opposite. They will night keep owls. going and going and going. <laughs> yeah. The night owls. And so when they were both li like babies, it was hard because, well, I don't function without sleep. And <laughs> yeah, and I know some people do, like my husband does function without sleep. And uh -huh. so coming across like your information as to how like to balance the parents need for sleep with the kids need for sleep, but getting everyone on the same page. So they're not fighting. And so as you can see, this is very stressful for me. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. And I think that you had a really great point there. Like no two kids are the same. When my kids were little, I used to say that I could write a paragraph on their similarities, but a book on their differences. Yes. And I think I had a similar situation to you, like where my son, he did not sleep through the night. And I'm going with like that whole technical definition of between the hours of 12 and 5 a.m. Like yes. he did not sleep through the night until he was three. So oh, for three years, God. never yeah. once did I get, I think one, no, no, I never did get a full night's sleep. I was going to say, I remember one time my ex-husband turned off the baby monitor to let me like sleep in. Yes, but uh, no, he still got up in the middle of the night. So and then yeah. my daughter, when she was born a year later, like we'd have to wake her to feed her. I'd be like, I'm a little concerned. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah. So, and it's just funny how that goes. Like the, the oh, differences. definitely. Oh, yes. definitely. I my son woke up every one to two hours all night. And I'm actually someone who can function on little sleep. Oh, so uh, for me to struggle, it was a huge eye opener for me. And you know, and then every time he woke me up, it took me 20 minutes to go back to sleep. So yeah. it was like, it was just really brutal for me. And oh, I was very irritable. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. my gosh. I think we were all different people when our kids were young and not sleeping. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. I was going to say like, I, I have fond memories of when my kids were really little and struggled with sleep, but not enough. I would ever want to go back. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but at the same time, though, I mean, we're, we're reminiscing right here on the younger ages, but sleep is a struggle that it pops up again, right? Yes. So like our focus is and like, you know, we're talking about back to school sleep schedules. And I was just telling Joanne how it's going to be interesting in our household. Because uh, right now over yeah. the summer, my daughter has been going to bed about midnight and mm -hmm. uh, she gets up about noon. 
I mean, I could wake yeah. her up earlier, but why? So, yes. Yes. I just get the angry. She's I'm like a cat. She just hisses at me. So, yes. <laughs> so that I just run away. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. So we realize that like sleep is important, but our kids don't necessarily realize that sleep is That's important. Right. So like, how do we start communicating this to them so that we have a successful back to school when they have to wake up? Yes. So that's what's going to be the challenge is convincing them. But of course, we're parents and we have more wisdom than they do sometimes. So sometimes we have to, you know, be the bad guy. But getting back to school schedule, I would say if you have two or three weeks to do, you can start early and then it could be a more gradual change. If you don't or if you prefer not to, you can always do it a little bit more abruptly. But essentially what I recommend is first adding a little structure back to your day, even if it's just like a set wake up time and a set bedtime, even if it's late at first, like not what would be at school, but in your case might be 11 p.m. bedtime and waking up at 10 a.m., for example, or something like that, then that can just kind of start getting you in the mode of having structure and that kind of thing. Also, a set time to turn off devices sometimes is a good idea. Mm -hmm. 30 minutes to an hour before. That's true for adults, too. We all sleep a little bit better. Yes. If we're not staring at devices, but oh, yeah. I know as much as anybody that it's sometimes hard to do. And then as far as like how much sleep, you do want to shoot for at least 10 to 11 hours of sleep at night. Or if you know that your child needs 12 hours, then you would shoot for that so that you can make sure that they're getting going to get enough sleep. So that would be like the first step, I would say. So like readjusting that sleep schedule, doing it in a gradual way as we get closer and closer to back to school. And then the devices, the devices are huge. Yeah. Oh, because yes. We're big proponents yes. of that for sure. Turn off Wi-Fi. Right. Turn well, off. and there's so much research about what the blue light, light does yes. to your brain. Yes. And it just keeps you up. And it's hard, though, when you're an adult and you're trying to like tell your parenting partner that it does this. And yeah, that doesn't yeah. work as well. Well, especially <laughs> when they're like you just said, when it's someone that that has a different sleep schedule mm -hmm. than you that can stay yes. up a lot longer it can be a lot harder to get them to really hear what you're saying. Definitely. Yeah. So I'm Margaret and I'm Amy and together we host the podcast. What fresh hell laughing in the face of motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a, where are my keys kind of mom? Correct. Sometimes a, where are my kids kind of mom? <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell, laughing in the face of motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, 
best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. What does like overtired look like in kids? Like, how do we know if they're getting enough sleep? Yeah, so at different ages, you'll see different things. So babies showing overtiredness, they might have red rimmed eyes, bags under their eyes. They might be fussier, crying, rubbing their eyes. That's a big sign that they're overtired. And if they wake up from their sleep periods crying, that would be another thing. If they show any of these symptoms, they're probably already overtired. Unfortunately, well, I don't know if that's fortunately or unfortunately, but some babies actually (laughs) are very happy when they're overtired. So for Mm -hmm. them, you might see them wake up more at night, wake up too early in the morning, just fussy crying, going to sleep, that kind of thing, where they might be super happy during the day, but if they're not getting enough sleep, it still can impact you at night and keep you up. Now, toddlers, they have basically the same signs, but they also might have more tantrums during the day. Their mood and behavior are the best ways to know if they're getting enough sleep. Of course, some toddlers, they're going to test limits and that kind of stuff. That's normal, but the more tired they are, the more emotional they are. So you'll probably see more tantrums. And then for school-age children, in addition to being irritable, sometimes they're going to be, you know, cranky and that kind of thing. They might have difficult focusing at school, for example. They're often more clumsy. They will likely have some behavior issues either at school, home, or mm-hmm. both. They might talk back more, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> have you heard uh, the research out there that says a lot of school behavior problems are directly related to lack of sleep? That does not surprise me at all. I mean, <sighs> even my kids, I mean, I always say our happiness as a family is dependent on, especially in particular, my older son who inspired the website, that he's getting enough sleep because he is grumpy and he was grumpy from being a baby all the way till now. I mean, he is definitely a different person if he's not getting enough sleep. So I can believe that a lot of school behavior problems probably have children that just aren't getting enough sleep in general. I I totally find it fascinating because I was a former teacher and like I would see the kids who are constantly kind of pushing limits and testing boundaries and not reacting with emotionally very well. And just knowing that and looking back at them, it seems like such a simple problem to solve sleep. And yet it's something that we struggle with so much. Yes, definitely. And, you know, the hard part, especially as we're talking about getting back to the school schedule, you know, you'll want to start gradually waking your child up earlier and earlier. One big thing that a lot of people don't understand is that light stimulating our eyes is what signals our brain to wake or sleep. So that's Mm -hmm. why like with daylight savings or jet lag, that kind of thing, you can't just put your child to bed early you know, to start doing that, you have to wake them up earlier so their internal clock can shift backwards. And so then their sleep period will be the certain hours that you want. And then if you let that waver too much, it's really hard to get back at the right bedtime. And then you're just basically not tired at nine o'clock, even though you're supposed to be kind of thing, or you're supposed to be going to bed at that time. And then when you add sports in, I'm not sure if your kids do sports, mine do. Sometimes we're not even getting home till 830 at night. So that makes it really challenging too. How should like sports families handle that when they're not getting home 
like until late and then the kids still have homework to do. Oh, and they're also still revved up. Yeah, and because they up. just had sports. So oh, yeah. they might be tired, but they're not like sleepy tired. Yeah. And that's tough. I mean, you're probably not going to have perfection, but planning ahead sometimes helps. Sometimes, you know, we just have to plan ahead with food and that kind of thing. Because if you wait till you get home and then cook something, obviously that's too late. And then catch up on the weekend, just like adults do, you know, we're working all week, we're tired, you know, and we get tired. So I would say try not to let the bedtime go super late on the weekend, even though you're kind of like letting loose, but Mm -hmm. you really want them to catch up on the weekend. And just because you go to bed later doesn't mean you're going to sleep in later automatically because, again, it takes some of us a few days for our internal clock to catch up to what our new sleep schedule is. And then by yeah. that time, it's Monday and you have to get back to school. <laughs> so with that, I have two questions that you just made me think about real quick there. For the really littles, the ones that aren't quite in school yet, so we're thinking like baby, toddler, maybe even a preschooler, what do you think would be an ideal bedtime for them if you need to have them up and ready to go so you can get out the door to work. So I'm going to guess going to work is around seven or eight in the morning. What would probably be an ideal bedtime for that one? And then I have a follow-up one. Yeah. So baby, most babies need 11 to 12 hours of sleep at night. There are some differences. Sometimes usually the minimum is 10 hours, but that Mm -hmm. usually means they're napping more during the day. So, so if you need them out the door and you need to leave by seven and you need them up by six 30, I would say around 6.30 or 7 would be your bedtime. For toddlers, similar. Again, most of them need 10 to 12 hours of sleep at night until we get closer to when they're going to drop the nap, which is usually three to four years old on average. Mm -hmm. And then when they drop the nap, they need to increase their nighttime sleep again, back up to usually 11 to 12 until about four or five years old. So you're looking at a bedtime of around 7 p.m. most of their baby and toddler life. Okay. Unless you can go to work a little bit later in the morning. I know, mm-hmm. right? Which is, that's a tough one. You know, you yeah. can only, you can only adjust things so much. Yes, exactly. So out of curiosity, do you have like a recommendation? Cause I go through this, like we talked about earlier, my kids are a little bit older. My daughter's going into eighth grade. My son's going into high school. Yes. And my daughter is constantly trying to to convince me that she is capable of setting her own bedtime yes. and her own wake time. That is a yes. good question. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious with your background in sleep, do you have an opinion on this on how can parents gauge, okay, my kid is old enough to kind of take the reins on this somewhat, not where we totally yeah. like give up all of our rights to say anything as a parent, yes. but where we let our child lead us. Now, maybe it's not an age. I, I do think yeah. it's probably not an age, but right. How can we figure out that they're ready to start taking the lead on this? I know. Well, I'm not an expert in teenagers since, you know, I work with mostly babies and toddlers, but having a teenager of my own, he's 15. And I would say mostly he's setting his own bedtime now, but we have to see what happens when school goes back. But I still would have a time when Wi-Fi goes off because you know, you know, like you can be on Facebook for an hour and you're like, where did the time go? You know, so I know he's similar. But now at the same time, in my opinion, that Mm -hmm. we are also trying to raise them to be able to go to college and be able to live life and actually get to class on time. So in some ways, if we keep the rules too tight for too long, they're not learning those lessons. And then when they go to college, they're probably going to really struggle. And that's a pricey, that's a pricier lesson to learn. So I mean, 
for us, we've kind of experimented during the summer of, you know, okay, well, you can kind of set your own bedtime. And I've seen like maturity wise, now he has to get up for cross country conditioning, and he has kind of like a volunteer job he's doing this summer. And so I can see just kind of how he's starting to think he's still not getting enough sleep. But he's starting to see, okay, I do have to go to bed a bit earlier. And then he sets his own alarm. That's the other thing trying to make them self sufficient. So I had a lot of trouble waking him up. So I bought this alarm that has a vibrating thing under the mattress. And it's really loud. I think it's actually wow. for people that can't hear. Um, so, but it works great for him. And, and, My daughter and needs so that. that way, it's kind of up to him. It's his responsibility to get up. And, and that has worked well, because cross country is something he loves to do. Whereas school isn't. So that's going to be right. a little bit tricky. But like you said, I don't think it's a certain age, but you want to start giving them more responsibility and seeing the natural consequences if your daughter, mm-hmm. especially if your daughter likes getting good grades and she starts to see how tired she is during the day, hopefully she's going to start making those decisions for herself. Yeah, I think it's a great answer. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. It's it's going to be a little bit of a, okay, well, if you feel like you want to start taking this over, mm-hmm. these are the expectations that I would have. Yeah. And then we come to like an agreement on this is what we're going to try going forward. But it's tricky. It's because he, yeah, yeah, man, she's or, trying to convince me that midnight's okay during the school year. Yeah, I'm no, like, no, 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 I'm going to say fake N-O on that or one. Even, Let's try again. Even just like <laughs> educating kids on like what tired looks like. Right, that overtired thing. A lot of kids don't know. Like when my kids were toddlers, my daughter in particular, she would get so tired. We had this baby bouncer and she would just go bouncing up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. It was like, it wasn't because she was hyper. It was because she was tired. Yes, yes. And it's so counterintuitive. It is. Yeah, people used to see my son get into that hyper mode too. And and they would say, oh, he has so much energy. I'm like, no, he's overtired. He needs a nap, you know? So it was crazy. It's so funny because it's a generational thing too, because I dealt a lot with my parents and my in-laws and they're like, oh, well, they just weren't tired yet. They were like running around like crazy. Yeah. And I didn't think that, the research or the knowledge had changed so much from when we were raised to now raising our kids, but I'm guessing it did. Well, just like knowledge. So our bodies release hormones to fight fatigue and that gives us our second win. So if you're working on a school paper, like when we were in college or working late, you know, our bodies purposely does that and, you know, gives us a boost so that we can make it through. So once Mm. they get that second win, that's why overtired children have so much trouble settling down and going to sleep because they've gotten that second win and you're too Mm. late, basically. So you want to catch them before they get that. Catch them before the second win. That is really good advice. I need to tell my sister that. She yes. actually, yeah, my nephew uh, just turned two. So like she needs this right now. Yes, <laughs> definitely. She totally needs it. Well, Nicole, it has been so wonderful getting to talk with you. Thank you so much for joining us. I know so many parents can benefit from these sleep tips and be more rested themselves as well. Yes. Well, you're welcome. I've been happy to be here. So Nicole it was a wealth of information. She is somebody that I wish I would have had when my kids were like toddler and babies because I didn't sleep. Oh, I know, <laughs> right? Like I, I mentioned in the episode, my kids did not sleep. My Bible at that time, because I was doing early intervention and I was fortunate enough to meet mm-hmm. this person, was Dr. Jody Mendel. And she wrote the book Sleeping Through the Night. Mm-hmm. It was so different because Baby Wise was what was popular at that time. The whole yeah. like, let your kid cry it out. And I liked the fact that she was a lot like what Nicole was saying, like, just 
there's different temperaments for different kids, different families do what works. But mm-hmm. you brought up a really good point about sleep and how that affects our kids. There was one thing I said in the interview about like knowing this research between sleep and school behavior. And I had no idea where I pulled that nugget from. So we did a little <laughs> research for you. <laughs> and uh, this comes from The Self-Driven Child by William Stixrud and Ned Johnson. And it says that when sleep restriction weakens the connections between the prefrontal cortex of your brain, and the prefrontal cortex is all the decision-making, that's where all the decision-making happens, and the amygdala, and the amygdala is your stress response and the things that are like, oh my gosh, fire, run! It's like <laughs> everything that's like high anxiety. So sleep restriction weakens that, and that results in poor emotional regulation. So what I'm hearing is if kids or adults don't get enough sleep, mm-hmm. we kind of melt down, break down and cannot. We can't self-regulate. Have, yeah, it's harder those, to self-regulate. Oh, and that could explain a lot of breakdowns at school. Yeah, that explains a lot of mood disorders too. Lack mm-hmm. of sleep has also been linked to ADHD making the symptoms worse of ADHD, but it's fascinating. It's a fascinating subject. Another book I highly recommend that I did read is called Why We Sleep, Unlocking the Power of Sleep and Dreams by Matthew Walker. And I just read that and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to get my husband to sleep more. (laughs) But there's like, sleep is so powerful. It's such, it seems like such a simple thing to do. And yet like we all struggle with it. It does. It does. We have another great podcast episode with Kelly Myerson Mm -hmm. who talks about sleep as well and the importance of like finding Finding that self-care time without stealing from your sleep. We'll add that to the show notes. So huge, amazing, amazing stuff. I loved talking to Nicole. She brought up a lot of great things, especially my favorite about planning. Yeah. You got to plan that transition into school, changing that sleep schedule. Nobody expects you to suddenly just mm-hmm. change your sleep schedule the next day. Mm-hmm. We've got to give our kids time to do that. Got to give our kids time. Yeah. And if you are kind of a loosey-goosey planner like I am, I <laughs> Brie like looks at me. I'm she's laughing. like, really? I'm laughing because it is true. Like I write it out I'm on like, my calendar. I may be late to everything, but at least it's all on my calendar. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little more loosey-goosey. And I just think like a week before school, be like, hey, yeah. guys, it's a week before school. Let's go to bed earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, and my problem is if I don't write it down, I will forget. And uh, I'll be like, oh, crap, school starts tomorrow. We never adjusted our sleep schedule. Well, I think so, yeah. for sleep, I'm so, again, You're so aware. so aware of sleep that I'm like, oh, the sleep's off. And See, <laughs> and the truth is, I'm not. And, like, yeah. and I think that's a big thing about our personalities we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Like, I just... Whenever, whenever I get to sleep, whenever I wake up, it's just kind of how it works. I'm like, Which don't is bother not, me. I need to sleep. I'll admit it's a bit of a stressful way to live. <laughs> it is. So it's stressful when you are the sleeper and like you're in a house of non-sleepers and mm-hmm. no one will go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. Can only imagine. Well, remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you and we will talk to you later. Thanks so much for stopping by. Everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was 
steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.